September 21, 2020. It's a lot for Pedro's show.
from Pedro's show. Happy Monday. Brother Matt went to Catalina. I think he's at the Isthmus. Uh, anyway, I'm not totally man alone because those software engineers in Estonia with their Skype invention, you might have heard some noise. Is that over? Is that Philadelphia, Ben? Yep. Okay. People, Ben Bennett, uh, all the way from Philadelphia via Skype. Welcome aboard, Ben. Glad to be here, Mike. Yes. You know, uh, we got to thank uh, Brother Evan for making the connect, and uh, he flowed me your music, and it's fucking righteous. And uh, well, I should tell the people we started with John Coltrane doing uh, Village Blues Take Three, and then Ben Bennett with This Is How to Dance, which is uh, I kind of uh, used this to uh, catch up on a little my uh, hoofing. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> All right, I'd love, love to see how you how you worked to that one. <laughs> But, you know, it's kind of the way what attracted me to the movement and pulled me away from arena rock was this very personal approach to embracing music as a uh-huh. form of expression. And I think you're one of those kind of pioneer people. And I'm very grateful for that. Oh, really glad you're digging it. Okay, so let's uh, give the listeners a little background. What What's the earliest musical recollection that you have Ben? oh so um i was thinking about this and i i uh i got two of them for you and uh that i think happened around the same time so i think the first um first concert that i must have ever seen was uh in uh, columbus where i grew up columbus ohio they uh the uh, police force had a rock band of cops called hot pursuit and they would go around and like play for the elementary schools and uh, they played at my elementary school, you know, like one of these attendance required assemblies. And, uh, yeah, I had a song about dare, like dare to keep kids off drugs. And um, they had guitars shaped like rifles. And um, so I was just remembering this for the first time recently uh, and realizing that that was probably my first concert that I'd seen. And I looked them up and they've got a YouTube video of that song. Uh, and it's ridiculous. And I would, I would recommend that the band's called Hot Pursuit. Uh, but at that time, what I was really into was Little Richard, because uh, my dad had one of his cassettes. And I would just play that over and over again and and just rock out to that. And um, at some point, I think in first grade, in music class in school, the the teacher, Miss Jefferson, asked me some some asked some kind of music related question. I can't remember exactly what the question was, but something with a straightforward answer. And I raised my hand, and she called on me. And for whatever reason, uh, my answer was to just stand up and start singing. You keep a knocking, but you can't come in, and and dance into it. And uh, so then the whole class, you know, erupted in laughter, and I, I became kind of known as as that that kid that little richard fan kid now in 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 columbus ohio which is kind of like the hub right it's in the middle of the state Uh uh-huh yeah you know all the other big towns are up against rivers or lakes Mm -hmm. i notice about ohio another thing i notice is the flag it's a pennant it ain't a flag that's right right the only one in the union anyway uh in this pad where your pop had the little Richard cassette, was there instruments? Uh, yeah, we had a we had a piano that my mom played, 
and um, that I, I I played some piano too when I was young, and my dad had a my dad played some saxophone a little bit. Uh, he's actually more of a poet, but uh, he did play some saxophone when I was younger. Was there a sax in the pad? Yeah. Tenor, alto. Uh, tenor, okay. I believe. Like John Coltrane. Bigger yeah. brother Steve. Got summer, both of them had summer Mark Six. Uh, I'm curious. The piano was there. Were you uh-huh. uh, asked to take lessons? Yeah. How was that yeah. experience, Ben? Um, I remember that being all right. Um, I think uh, my parents did have to did have to kind of force me to practice every day. Uh, and I, I probably, uh, you know, put up, put up some protest and made their lives hell a little bit about it, but, uh, I think it was all right. And, um, so I took some piano lessons and then at some point in school, I switched over to playing clarinet in the band. And so I was playing clarinet and, uh, and then at some point in, well, it was in middle school. Um, I switched over to drums because I wanted to, I don't know, play along with the Smashing Pumpkins songs and stuff like that. Yeah, probably with the rock and roll, not a lot of clarinet. Although there was a Cleveland band that had a guy rocking the clarinet. Uh, Death of Samantha, the John Petkovich. Okay, I don't think I'm familiar with that. Well, it might have been a little before your time, but not too far away. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, you know, it was really big in the '40s and shit. Uh, Artie Shaw and a lot of band uh-huh. leaders played. Yeah, because it could cut through. Yeah. L- l- the uh, nickname was the Licorice Stick. Oh yeah, yeah. My friend, my buddy uh, Zoots uh, Houston uh, is always calling calling his clarinet the Licorice Stick. Yeah, that was a kind of slang for it and uh interesting how things go in and out but it was kind of the lead guitar it would do solos it could stick out uh you didn't usually use it to carry the band it's trippy how, yeah. how music gets informed by the i don't know trend uh sense of style of the moment and some instruments are in and some are out yeah yeah uh, yeah but, i did i did like uh benny goodman uh for a while. Right, and a band leader, right? In fact, a guy who uh-huh. did a lot for the guys in his band because there was huge discrimination and shit. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, you know about that. That's great. You know about that stuff. Uh, but you you learned how to do that clarinet in the school band and uh, do the piano with the lessons. You, you learned to read. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh because a lot of people, negative experiences uh, on this show, it seems it had a lot to do with the teacher. You had a good teacher? Um, e, let's see. Yeah, actually, interestingly enough, my uh, my very first piano teacher, uh, her name was Ann Stimson. Uh, and we just took, I just took lessons over at the, like, um, the music shop uh, in the mall. And, um, so she was teaching me like, you know, very beginning piano when I was like, I don't know, five, six or something like that. And, um, I ended up taking a a college class from her 
way later where she was teaching um, like uh, 20th century to, to modern music and which was a class that I was really interested in. Uh, oh, and God. she was, she was, she was giving us like Morton Feldman and Cage and. Well, I was going to ask uh, Cecil Taylor. <laughs> uh, it wasn't, it wasn't that cause it was like more uh, 20th century modern or modern classical tradition stuff. Uh, but still pretty but I, open, pretty open. Yeah. And I, I was like the only person in the class that actually was interested in this stuff. And you had all these <laughs> other kids like hearing, Schoenberg or whatever and being like this is not music uh and so I I mean I feel like her job was kind of sucked in that and having to teach all these close-minded kids but uh I uh I, I gave her you know a big note of appreciation and said you know you you taught me my first piano lessons and here you are turning me on to uh some other trippy shit I think there's another lesson too like People are not stepping stones. They might come back into your life. So uh, yeah, yeah. Be yeah. careful. Don't be an idiot. Don't burn bridges. Yeah. Don't be. Or there, there. Yeah. You know, there might be a whole another layer of depth to absolutely, absolutely. You know, that you that you don't know about. That, that's really interesting that you picked up on that, man. Great. What about, What about the first record you bought with your own fucking money? Um, I think it was Smashing Pumpkins, Pisces, Escario, uh, okay. cassette. So second time you uh, mentioned that. So, so did you do the thing like uh, after school with some friends, uh, basement, bedroom, uh, garage band, maybe doing Smashing Pumpkin copies? <laughs> um, the, the first one of those bands, um, I remember we were playing uh, uh, TV Killed the Radio Star. We were like covering that song. Tom, and, uh, no, who was that? Buggles and... Right, I think it was yeah. Bumble. I think so. It was one of the guys. I think he was in uh, Swell Maps. Oh, okay. So it was a trippy ass band, you know, early punk in uh, England, right? Jane from uh -huh. Occupied Europe, a great album. It was two brothers. There, we we've lost both of them. Nicky Sutton and Epic Soundtracks. I, I met uh. Epic a few times. Great, great cat, sweet guy. I want to play uh, Untitled here. Good, good title. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank mm-hmm. you. 
When Uncle Jim uses Jew as a verb, his grandfather did, do you cringe? I don't like it, sober or high. Weirdly comforted by the fog we grew up in. show yeah that was untitled ben bennett so new <laughs> that i've been offered the chance to title it maybe you like yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, ben enlightens what <laughs> something like that then we had fire sale dub from model home uh collaborating with his name is alive aunt sally with honor cole osaka band tokyo band brand new ro4 with sink it and draco with indian summer spring rain that's new no, it's spring, rain, Indian, summer, what? Got a little dyslexic on you. Brain switch. 
Sithersium Astronauts. I think that's out of Croatia. And that's brand new. Dan McGuire, he was on the last episode. Uh, Toledo. I thought he was still in Maumee, but he had moved up the river a little bit. Uh, family gatherings. It's coming up on, uh, like Thanksgiving, the greatest holiday. Uh, <laughs> funny things. A lot of baggage connected with that. I sure. sounded like this when I saw a dog dressed up in all your clothes <laughs> by Ben Bennett. That's a great title. Man. You know, I have to start, when I compose, I have to start with titles or I'll have no focus. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that that that, that band you were doing with, well, well, first let me ask you about your trap kit. Uh, the first drum set you got, what was it? Oh, it was a... Uh... It was a. It was like one of the Rogers from the '80s when uh, they they had just kind of like licensed their brand name out to uh, some some more generic company. Yeah. Um. So I there weren't like there weren't any of those like vintage maple shells or anything, but uh, it's probably probably like a more mahogany kit. But uh, yeah, I played those for a really long time. Uh, I think my I think my dad just bought them used. Um, out of the newspaper classified ad or something like that, and uh, I actually still play one of the one of the toms from there, even though lives on. Uh, one I'm one I'm playing now is all uh, cut up, uh, Frankenstein sawed up, mixed up uh, pile of stuff. That's okay. That's okay. But yeah, I still got that drum like, shell that I play. You're talking about like cannibalized, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. A lot of drummer, George Hurley did that shit. Everybody uh-huh. knows. Yeah, because the trap kit's a lot of things, you know. Yeah. A lot of part. You know the history of it. New Orleans and stuff. Larry Mullins was talking about it. It was kind of a kludge in those days. The toms come from like kind of Chinese drums and, and yeah, yeah. the cymbals and all. Well, anyway, that's what, that's where the the word trap came from was uh, from contraption. That's so right. Like yeah. That's right. It was kind of like uh, out of necessity, right? It wasn't theorized. It was in the knowing was in the doing. I'm curious. He gets you this kit, but does he put a stipulation like if I get you this kit, you got to take less? Where did you learn how to play drum? Uh, I was taking lessons, um, yeah, from another guy named Russell Myers. So I was taking those lessons. And then and uh, what I would do with him was just bring in music that I liked and that I wanted to learn the drum parts too. And we would just figure out the drum parts and then I would play along with that stuff. Now with your band, you, you did some bands with your buddies, right? You were saying, uh, uh-huh. where, where did you, where'd you prac at home in the garage bedroom? Cellar? Uh, the, uh, band practice was in my, my friend's, uh, basement. So you brought your drum set over there, so his parents dealt with it. No, he. I think he. I think he had a kit there. Oh, bitching. Yeah. So you never had to set up and tear down. Yeah, that's. I ended up doing that my prac bed because I got tired of waiting for people. Yeah. I was an asshole though. I should have used that opportunity to learn. I think if you can play drums, <laughs> you can play anything because so much, uh, especially with the rock and roll, it's about rhythm. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. So did you guys make a band? High school band, junior. Uh, we didn't. That let's see. That that band didn't do very much aside from like you know playing in the the high school talent show or something like that. That particular group, and then uh, but um, later on in 
in my junior year in high school, I went to this music program for half the day, uh, every day of the school year. I'd, I'd go to this other school, and it was this, it was just a music program, and they would put us in these combos, and we would learn jazz songs and funk songs and and whatnot, and they would actually book us gigs around town, and uh, and they were they were kind of training us to be like working musicians, and so they'd we'd like play a gig at like a some corporate party or something like that, or uh, I remember playing one at some strange mcdonald's event where there was they're having some competitive um some competition between like mcdonald's teams for you know flipping burgers and whatnot and for whatever reason they hired a band for this and we and so we played this event um but i in that program i learned a lot uh, and the there were some really good teachers there were two teachers there and they're both really passionate and uh the one knew that I was getting into um, like free jazz and stuff like that. And um, he knew that I was into Sun Ra and we, he had our, because of that, he had, he let our combo play Sun Ra's space is the place, uh, you know, kind of this epic jam uh, freak out type of thing. And, we went to some event that was like for high school big bands. And so there was some kind of like suburban high school big band playing typical big band stuff. And then we just played this, you know, freak out space jazz for like half an hour. Uh, and it was great. <laughs> so was this still Columbus? Yeah. Because I was going to say for a while, Sun Ra lived in Philadelphia. That's right. The yeah. Saturn house was there. Yeah. Yeah, there's a great book by John Swed, Space is the Place. And uh, a couple of years ago, I read it, and it, I, I recommend it to everybody. I think you'd mm -hmm. dig it on it. So that, that teacher was pretty balls out to go against the grain and all the square stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Much respected. What was his name? Jim Maneri. Okay, thank you, Jim. And See, and the other, other teacher there, uh, Jeff McCargish, I should give him a shout-out. Yeah, because that stuff... Especially good teachers, because bad teachers have consequence too, but it's uh -huh. usually not yeah. so happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, I've heard of bad music teachers chasing people away from music. Uh huh. <laughs> Especially with that piano shit with kids being younger and getting their hands beat and shit like this. So, uh, you get out of high school, do you want to uh -huh. take music further? Yeah, so after, after graduating high school, uh, I formed another band with two of the guys that I met in that program. Um, and it was, it was kind of like a, kind of like a free rock power trio or something, uh, bass, drums, and guitar. And we had started out originally playing covers and trying to write songs, but then we would just end up jamming and messing around, uh, and just kind of realized that that was the most fun and interesting part of our practices and we just started doing that exclusively just you know getting in there and playing and just continually making stuff up as as we went along and improvise yeah did, did this band have a name yeah although i i never was a huge fan of our name it was elephants gerald 
I always I always felt that was a little dorky. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're at the end of the first hour, September 21, 2020. Dish Peter Show. Special guest Ben Bennett. Hold tight for hour two. September 21, 2020. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
From the steamy swamps of Utah to the sandy deserts of Maine, the jungles of Rhode Island that I've crossed again and again, way down in Louisiana where the snow falls every day, to the shark-infested waters of the Kansas. That North Dakota Baba Ganoush I've loved since I was a lad And the sushi of Nebraska Man's the best I've ever had In Idaho they make that curry Red hot like they should And the monkey brains they eat in Georgia Lord, they
Start off the second hour with Blank Bait from Ben Bennett. Hey, your pop and your ma were thinking when they named you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give me a... Also, uh, media Media-ready name or something. Right, where you ended up, Philly, there. He, uh, Benjamin Frank, you know, he, he was big mason at that lot, a pretty intense lodge downtown. Yeah. In different rooms, you know, Egyptian, Orient, Greek, Nordic. Check it out if you can. It's, it's by that build uh, uh, building with Mr. Penn on the top point. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the U.S. National Anthem from Sam Bennett after that. He's lived, lived he's from Sunrise Town, uh, Birmingham, Alabama. He's lived in Tokyo many years now. Samuel mm-hmm. Locke Ward after that. Time's up. Uh, brand new from L1011. These guys just put out a triple album. Huh? Uh, bass, drum. Well, it's kind of weird, like baritone guitar, drum, uh, duet here. So, you know, when in uh, these kind of times, start composing. <laughs> Finally, your nose is off, Ben Bennett. Although, you, you like improvising. That's that's, and what, that's pretty much the only way I know how to play. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it is, it's like people saying, you got you to gotta have some kind of order, and not realizing that randomness is a type of order. You know, uh, so improvising is 
composing, right? Yeah. It's just not repeating yourself. Maybe. I mean, it's. I mean, some. It can be. I think. Like, it's. Um, well, I mean, the next time you do it, not not in the the act of doing it, but the next time you do it, doesn't mean you have to, like, re. Or maybe that's bad definition I'm using. Yeah, I mean, I I gotten to the point where, um, it's. I I'm not sure if I can even like make that much distinction between composition or improvisation and. Or, or not sure if I care to that much. Yeah. And and even when I think about the idea of repetition, I'm not really sure because even if you um, are playing compositions over and over, it's like it's not the same experience every time you play it. It's you don't play it the same way every time. And there's even when you're playing in a group, say you're playing a composition, there's improv improvisation involved simply in hearing the other people and responding. Yeah, and so it seems yeah. like what you're talking about is like kind of an honesty, like kind of a denial people are in by uh -huh. using these kind of words to separate stuff in music. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even, I don't even equate improvisation with the idea of non-repetition. It's not like I'm playing something completely original every time I sit down as, you know, so so much uh, stuff that's familiar with me or part of my vocabulary or patterns that I repeat things like that. But uh, every every moments every moment of living is different, even if you think you're repeating something. Which is neat coming from a drummer man because a lot of typical drumming situations, all kinds of repetition. Uh huh. <laughs> right. Probably yeah. the most repetitive cat in the band mm -hmm. in some situations is the drummer man, right? Mm -hmm. Because people need some kind of foundation or uh, some yeah. predictability. Yeah. And that becomes kind of a tourniquet, kind of a gag. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, um, yeah, playing with the with the people that I play with, and I think you're, you know, you've talked to Evan and you, you're going to talk to Zach and, and Jack, I think. Yeah, Zach Wednesday, uh, Jack next Monday. Yeah, that's uh, that's a that's yeah, it's a pretty special crew of people to me, and uh, I feel like when we play together, there's uh, kind of trust going on where where all of us just feel really really engaged and really free. Like uh, there's a a lot of there's there's a lot of autonomy and there's a lot of kind of creative responsibility going on at, at every moment of playing. Yeah, yeah. And by responsibility, like listening? Um, just that, um, like in, in every moment, it's like you, uh, that you, it's, it's hard to kind of like sit back and, and just rest in any particular idea. There's not, so much a moment where you're like okay i got this you know it's like it's it uh the music keeps changing so continuously that you gotta you gotta be really present and engaged and and show up yeah yeah speaking of which i want to play 8 p.m sharp
too hard it, i get inhibited because if i use that if i think you know i need to be listening closely it, it in some ways that it kind of implies that there's some kind of rules uh about how to respond like there if as if there's a right and a wrong way to respond and i gotta you know get it right um and so you start to self-censor yourself yeah yeah and so it's it's almost like sometimes sometimes i kind of think think of it as just being like open to hearing like uh like if i just hear people and i keep playing like that's that's uh the way to go because um it's like still being yeah i guess both being like connected to my like kind of internal state and uh how that wants to express itself and while still being having some attunement to what's going on around what the, what the other people are are doing but not feeling constrained to like have to respond to what they're doing in a particular way all right yeah yeah i think Kay she called it blank slate <laughs> with dose when we would try to do some jams uh-huh uh, uh-huh i should tell the people we heard 8 p.m sharp and that's a a duo you got called foster yeah. bennett duo yeah it's so with the saxophonist michael foster uh he's in brooklyn and we've been playing together uh quite a lot in the past uh six years or so all right bullets or balloons after that with aaron's ass aloha screwdriver there on the show a couple episodes so to go uh, above snakes Puff Adder from Flying Vipers, their new album. Lewis Cole with Hurricane. And finally, a Foster Bennett duo again with Smoke Coming from the Bayou. Not the Bayou. <laughs> <laughs> Down on the Bayou. Yeah. <laughs> that real Northwest one John Fogarty's from. <laughs> El Cerrito. <laughs> uh, okay, after elephants gerald and then uh michael foster in between that period you searched out uh away from kind of like typical rock and roll which is a horrible thing to say because rock and roll shouldn't be typical but <laughs> to, to get get into this more free state uh yeah it was so elephants gerald um uh, that band ended when the the bass player passed away a uh, really young age um he got like a he got a brain cancer oh. and so that um uh, yeah it wasn't quite the same after that and i was i was just playing by myself a lot in my basement and figuring out stuff but also around the same time i started playing with jack wright and he was really that that was really pushing me a lot to to open up because 
playing like that that experience was kind of like being thrown constant curveballs in that like uh you know i think i might be feeling like getting the feeling of this and then you know he would just change to something completely unexpected and he was he's um was using so many different timbres and so that kind of pushed me to try to explore more uh more kind of timbral palette of sounds and i kind of realized that the drum set the trap set as i was playing it was not set up ideally for that and so i kind of started reducing it and reducing it taking parts away from the kit until till i got to the point where i was just playing like one drum head by itself and just trying to see how many different sounds i could get out of that with all these different techniques and whatnot um so i got down to a really reduced kind of way of playing at least materially like reducing my materials all the way down as far as it could go yeah, I and that up. Uh, and and you know, seeing what the most I could do with that was, and after that, I kind of gradually added a few more things in. So I've got like this kind of collection of 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 uh, kind of a small collection of objects that where I'm like sitting on the ground and playing. So I've, I've gotten rid of all the the stands and the hardware and stuff, and that was that was kind of part of figuring out like how to play with Jack and and these these other improvisers. I remember seeing uh, Max Roach and his solos were always on the hi-hat and just the hi-hat uh -huh. and a lot of the stand. Yeah. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, September 21, 2020, Dishwap Pedro Show. Hold on. Hour three. September 21, 2020, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
show start third hour with virtual balboa and greg kelly an excerpt from petrichor yeah i think that word well yeah what that word means is um the smell in the air after it rains that kind of fresh smell that is uh it's not the rain itself but it's apparently biological compounds that get released from uh soil bacteria and fungus and and such when it rains okay we had Crane after that with Jazz Opus Number One, uh, Bronze Age UFO from Baltimore with Boys Will Be Voids, the last part, Part D, and then Never with You Name It. So what are these combos here? Virtual Balboa and Greg Kelly and Never. Uh, so virtual. It, so you know we got this crew uh, that uh, there's there's Jack Wright, Zach Darrow. And Evan Lipson, myself, and then you know uh, some other people that come in, come in or in and out of that orbit, and so it's 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 kind of uh, more of like this amorphous collectivity, and every you know when we're playing in different groupings of that, whether it's duo or trio, uh, we come up with different band names. So Virtual Balboa is me, Zach, and Evan. Never is me, Zach, and Jack. Uh, Roughhousing is Zach, Evan, and Jack. Um, Rest is me, Evan, and Jack. Durian Brow is me and Zach. Uh, well, we're going to play yeah. some Durian Brow on the, the final block of music for this edition. All right, awesome. And uh, these are excerpts because they're probably long pieces, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, improv, of course. When do you know when the tune's over? When you, you just kind of know. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right, right. Uh, I heard about, somebody was telling me, John Coltrane's, that interstellar... You know, interstellar one his, space? One of his last sessions, right? He was looking at the clock, and at five minutes he wanted, yeah, because he knew he only had so much time, but... Uh -huh. A lot of life ain't that way. Yeah, I think for a few years he knew he didn't have a lot of time. His birthday's coming up Wednesday. 
All right. Yeah, 40 years. Uh, same uh, time on the planet as Franz Kafka. Uh, did not know that. Yep, 40 years. He's, well, he's, he's, uh, they've got his uh, house kind of preserved in Philly here. There's like a plaque and uh, well, the there's, first... a really, there's a really gorgeous mural of Coltrane um, in North Philly. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, it's on Thirty Third Street. It's it was the first house he bought with his GI Bill. Yeah, because yep. he also, also built got another house that he did the Love Supreme on uh, Long Island at Dick's Hills. Uh-huh. That pad I've, I've taken all my bands to. In fact, some working man there doing restoration. I didn't ask for this, but he just gave me a piece of the brick I keep on the dash of the the boat. Nice. So I want to play some of this Durian Brow. All right. Is this like eyebrow? Uh, there's a there's a we got a few different ways of thinking about that. Um, the the origin story of the band name is that Zach and I would uh, would go to these open mics in Philly and sign up and play. You know, and these are open mics that you know it's mostly just a bunch of singer songwriters. And uh, so we wanted to sign up with a name that sounded like kind of vaguely Americana or singer songwriter or something. And so like somehow we came up with Durian Brown and Durian being the the Southeast Asian fruit. Uh, there's a there's a presence of that in South Philly as well. Um, and we couldn't decide between Durian Brown or Durian Bro or something like that. And when Zach was signing up. He just left off the N and it became Durian Brow. And then uh, subsequently, I was telling my friend about that. Uh, and my friend uh, Zach Rowden, he was like, Durian Brow, like the third brow. Like, um, we're not sure if this is high brow or low brow music, but it's it's something perp- perpendicular maybe to high brow and low brow. So it's Durian Brow. And um, it sounded kind of semiotic. Uh-huh. Uh Thank <laughs> you. 
Rob from Pedro's show. Last music for this edition, the third brow. Almost could be the third eye. Yeah, so <laughs> the, when I was thinking about the third brow, I was also thinking about uh, when you like furrow your forehead when you're confused right, right. and that, that, that line appears on your forehead. And uh, But then a, another friend was like, oh, yeah, the third brow. Like if you have a third eye, like where's the where's the third eyebrow? Right. Or if you're Hank Rollins, you only got one big ass brow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we had Galaxy doing Never Ch Heaven Channel Season 2 uh, LP2 Part 1. These people, they're out in the desert. They've, during this Quarantino Quentin mode, 18 <laughs> albums. So I don't want to hear anybody <laughs> uh, belly aching about sitting on their hands, starting to pose, people. <laughs> Or improvises, like in uh, Ben's case here. And Durian Brow with another excerpt from It Is Good. And so, so right now, what's, how are you handling this? How does an improviser uh, deal with a, a time for composition? A, a lot of recordings? Yeah, I'm recording a good, a good bit. I got a, a little studio set up in my basement here, and uh, I still see... I still see Zach uh, a fair amount, and we we play and record, and uh, yeah, just kind of like honing the recording and messing with the mixes, and just going through like hours of material and picking out what we like, and practicing a lot just by myself. So you're saying like like there's the the point when you're making the music, but then after there's a big time investment after for editing, yeah, for editing, right? Yeah, well, I'm doing a little bit more of that. Um, and by editing, it's mostly just kind of like selecting big chunks. Um, yeah. Like Miles on the Corner, that kind of... Yeah. Uh, where can people find you on the internet, Ben? Uh, I've got a website that is benbennett.website. Yeah, why don't you spell that? Oh, okay, Ben Bennett is B-E-N-B-E-N-N-E-T-T. Dot website. W-B-E-B-S-I-T-E. -E. The actual right. word, yeah. Yep. I don't want to confuse anybody. That's great. So everybody go there and see what Brother Ben's doing with the music here. and Because uh, I love it. I, I heard all. He's also got a band camp page you can probably get to from there. And mm -hmm. uh, lots of good uh, records and stuff. So you're going to be compiling this stuff and make a new record with Zach? Yeah, that's the that's the idea. That's a yeah. That uh, that excerpt we played, the third brow. I think that's what the what the record's going to be called. It'll be a, it's our third third release as well. And is music kind of like a place shelter from the sitch, or is it kind of like you're the reeds blowing in the you know the wind blowing through the reeds, and you're resonating with the sitch? Uh, little from column A, little from column B. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, some some alternate space where the the sitch kind of um, opens up and you feel a little bit more alive to change and the the changing nature of reality and in a way that you can exalt in it. That's beautiful. I love what you're doing. Please keep on keeping on. Hey, likewise. Okay, people. It's been September 21, 2020 edition. Wow, for Pedro show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>